Human behavior flows from three main sources, desire, emotion, and knowledge. Plato. Welcome to the Financial Clarity Podcast, dedicated to helping you make smart money decisions, live your values, achieve your dreams, and get more life from your money. This is episode 13. Hello there, I'm Mark Sinderson, and thanks again for joining me for this episode of the podcast. Today's episode, we're going to explore the importance of understanding your your behaviors when it comes to dealing with money. And in the fun money segment, I'll share a couple of travel hacks that I use to save money when I hit the road for business or pleasure. As always, the show notes, along with any links and additional resources for this episode, can be found at financialclaritypartners.com forward slash FCP013. Speaking of behaviors, here's one behavior I just can't stop, reciting the all-important disclaimer. Please remember that when you listen to this or any other financial podcast that you shouldn't take advice from me on this show. I don't know you or your specific situation, And you don't know me very well, so please think of this show as just helpful information, tips, and education. Before you make any decisions about your financial life, make sure to speak with your legal advisor, your tax advisor, or your financial advisor. It's just the smart thing to do. If I only had more money, then everything would be better. How many of us have heard or said this before? Well, if we were honest, I think the vast majority of us probably have. Money is part of everything we do, so it's natural to assume that having more money would improve our lives. It can, but doesn't necessarily have to. Now, I'm not one who believes that money is the root of all evil, but I do believe that just because you have money doesn't mean that you'll be successful or happy. For confirmation of that belief, let's see how lottery winners, which are often considered the very essence of sudden money and changing your life overnight, let's see how lottery winners have fared when it comes to money. Well, here's some statistics. Nearly one-third of lottery winners will declare bankruptcy. That's according to the Certified Financial Planner Board. 44% of lottery winners have spent all their winnings within five years. And 90% of all lottery winners have a chance that the family, the new family wealth that they got by winning the lottery will be gone within three generations. Doesn't sound very promising, does it? Well, here's a couple of happy lottery winners stories. The first one is Jack Whitaker. And his comment was, I wish that we had torn the ticket up. Jack was already a millionaire when he won a $315 million lottery in West Virginia back in 2002. He was 55 years old and he was a West Virginia construction company president uh, and he claimed he went broke about four years later and lost a daughter and a granddaughter to drug overdoses, which he blamed on the curse of the Powerball win. This was according to ABC News. 
He said, my granddaughter is dead because of the money, he told ABC. You know, my wife had said she wished that she had torn the ticket up. Well, I wish that we had torn the ticket up too. Whitaker was also robbed of $545,000 sitting in his car while he was at a strip club eight months after winning the lottery. I just don't like Jack Whitaker. I don't like the hard heart I've got, he said. I don't like what I've become. He's the last person I would have prototyped for going completely crazy, but he did, McNay told Time. Uh, McNay was the financial advisor. No question, it was because he won the lottery. All right, how about another lottery winner? Let's uh, find out a little bit more about Abraham Shakespeare. He said, I'd have been better off broke. Well, Abraham Shakespeare was murdered in 2009 after he won a $30 million lotto jackpot. The 47-year-old Florida man was shot twice in the chest and then buried under a slab of concrete in the backyard. D.D. Moore, who authorities say befriended him after his lotto win, was found guilty of first-degree murder in 2012. His brother, Richard Brown, told the BBC that Shakespeare always said he regretted winning the lottery. I'd have been better off broke, he said to me all the time. Why all these bad results? You would think that winning the lottery, getting all that money, unexpectedly and out of the blue, all that money showing up in your bank account would make life perfect. What could go wrong? Well, the reason is, is that a lot of these bad results can be chalked up to bad behaviors with money, not necessarily the money itself. Now, it's usually our behaviors that determine how things will turn out. If we have the correct behaviors, our results will be good, whatever we're talking about. If we don't have the correct behaviors, then the results will be less than optimal, which is a nice way of saying bad. When it comes to money, our natural inclination is to assume that those with money are living the dream. And they want to make sure that those people that are living the dream want to make sure that everyone knows it. The big house in the corner, a millionaire has to live there, right? Well, probably not. The reality is that many people who have achieved success in life would never be pegged as super successful based on outward appearances. The reason is because many successful people don't live extravagantly or show their wealth. This is the exact opposite of, one, of what many people would naturally assume. Now, how did we find out about this? Well, this all became evident as a result of work done by Thomas J. Stanley and William Danko, who released The Millionaire Next Door on the world back in 1996. The book was the result of over 20 years of research into how the wealthy became wealthy. And what they found that wealth wasn't because of being born with a silver spoon in your mouth, uh, getting advanced degrees from elite schools, or receiving a big inheritance. This is what many people believe, that that's how wealthy people became wealthy. They were born into it, they went to the right school, married the right person, that type of thing. The reality was, based on their research, they found that wealthy people or successful people became that way by having a specific set of behaviors that they engaged in on a regular basis. Most of these behaviors could be uh, condensed down to a couple of things. Hard work, frugality, and diligence in saving and planning. 
Now, I've provided links to The Millionaire Next Door and a follow-up book called The Millionaire Mind uh, over in the show notes page. Now, both these books are excellent, excellent reads. I read The Millionaire Next Door when it first came out. I think I read it in 1997. And I bought The Millionaire Mind when it came out. I think it came out in 2002, which The Millionaire Mind just goes a little bit more into detail into how uh, wealthy people go through life and what they do on a regular basis. So just some more in-depth information, basically. And basically what's happened is since the release of these books, a lot more work has been done in the world of what's now become called behavioral finance. And the knowledge of how people relate to money and as a result interact with money has increased dramatically. Um, And since then, Thomas Stanley's daughter has taken the research that her father had compiled over all those years and has started a company that is focused on helping financial planners like myself uh, work with clients to help them identify and understand how they relate to and behave with money. Because what has been found over and over and over again is it's not the money, it's not the perfect investment, it's not the the job that determines wh- when people are successful or guarantees that people will be successful. It's how we behave with money that oftentimes determines how we're going to be successful or if we reach the plans and goals that we have set. So what um, it comes down to is that there's basically six key behaviors that help determine our ability to be successful with money. And as a result of being successful with money, increase the odds that we're going to be successful with our long-term goals, our financial plans, that type of thing. So what are these six key behaviors? The behaviors are frugality. In other words, spending less than you earn, being smart about your money. And maybe sometimes people might call it cheap, but frugality is really paying attention to how you spend your money. Uh, The other behavior is confidence. In other words, uh, being confident in your decisions and feeling good and in control of what you're doing. Responsibility. This is the behavior that uh, says, whatever happens to me is a result of something that I have done. The decisions I've made, the path that I've taken. What happens to me is not the result of outside forces that I can't control. So responsibility is a key behavior. Planning and monitoring is a behavior that has been found to be key to uh, being successful with money. And what that means is, uh, are you able to set goals, follow up on the goals, and monitor those goals to make sure that you're still on the path that you want to be on? The other key behavior is focus. Now, this relates to, are you able to concentrate on the task at hand, both short-term and long-term? Are you able to stay on task? And the sixth, final and sixth behavior is what's called social indifference. And basically what this is, is not being influenced by what everybody else around you is doing. We've all heard the the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. Well, people who are high, who have a high level of social indifference could care less what the Joneses are doing. They're focused on their own plan and what they need to do to improve their lives. So those are the six 
key behaviors that uh, we've been able to measure. And based on assessing where everybody fits as it relates to those behaviors, uh, we, we gain the knowledge of kind of knowing where we fit as individuals on the scale for each of those behaviors. And uh, what I've done is I've posted uh, a link to a free uh, sample assessment over on the show notes page at uh, financialclaritypartners.com forward slash FCP 013. It's a show notes page. And what I've done is I've posted a link it's a link to a sample building wealth assessment that comes. It's kind of a condensed and miniaturized version of the full-blown assessment. But what it does is it gives you an idea, a basic idea of how you are wired when it comes to your wealth building potential. The link is over on the show notes page. It's absolutely free. Basically, at the end of the at the end of the assessment, I think it's ten or fifteen questions. It'll ask for your name and email in order to get your results. And all that does is send me a note that you've taken the assessment. I'll send you a quick email just to follow up and see if you had any questions. Uh, and that's it. If you have questions and want to discuss taking the next step, great. If not, that's okay too. But it is an interesting quick assessment just to give you a snapshot of, of how you're wired behaviorally for dealing with money. All clients, all my financial planning clients uh, get access to the full-blown assessment, which gives very detailed, specific information on how you um, relate to each of those six key behaviors. And I work with all my clients on identifying blind spots in those behaviors uh, figuring out what the uh, the strengths and weaknesses are and using that as a basis for building out a financial plan. Because uh, what I've found over my years and what many people are finding is that it's not necessarily just having money. It's how you behave with money that makes the biggest impact. Go ahead and take a uh, look over on the show notes page if you're interested in doing a quick building wealth assessment. And I am going to be focusing on these six behaviors uh, over the course of the, the next year, 2018. We're coming up on 2018 very quickly. Um, and I've done a lot of thinking about where the podcast uh, will go. And one of the things I want to emphasize is giving you tips and suggestions and tools that you can use to improve your behaviors in these key areas and help you move towards the path of being better able to deal with money and use it uh, for your advantage and not have it turn into something that is a hindrance. So look for that uh, as future episodes of the podcast roll out in 2018 and beyond. Okay, on to the fun money segment. And I'm calling this uh, Rebooking Saves Bucks. Now, I enjoy travel, uh, both for personal and pleasure, as well as I do, do a little bit of business travel. As a matter of fact, if you're listening to this on the day it's released, Wednesday, uh, December 6th, I'm traveling back home from an investment conference in Austin. And what I did when I booked this trip was I used this tactic to save me a fair amount of money on my hotel and my rental car reservations. And basically what I do is I 
I call it, I guess, aggressively rebooking my hotel and rental car reservations as I approach the trip. So here's how it works. Basically, whenever we take a trip, whether it's for business or pleasure, uh, most of the time we're going to stay at a hotel and most of the time we're going to rent a car. Uh, and this is how this is where the tactic works. For air travel, it's a little bit more of a challenge because most of the uh, air fare tickets are non-refundable. But most of the time, hotels and rental cars are completely refundable with no um, no strings attached. So in other words, you can make a reservation way ahead of time before you take your trip and at a worst case scenario, guarantee that you're going to get a hotel and a rental car. But as you get closer to the trip, and this is how the strategy works, as you get closer to the trip, you want to revisit those hotel and rental car options at wherever it is you're going to be and see if you can get a better deal. So for example, for this trip uh, to Austin, Texas that, I that I'm taking, uh, I booked the trip back in October. So I booked my flight and that was pretty much set. But I went ahead and booked a rental car and a hotel that fit within the budget I was looking for. And I went ahead and booked that in October. Well, just last week, I revisited hotel and rental car uh, booking options for Austin, Texas for that exact same trip. And I did another search to see if anything had changed. And lo and behold, the hotel was cheaper, the exact same hotel that I'm staying at, and um, was uh, cheaper. I'm going to be there for, uh, there for two nights. So I ended up saving $75 on the hotel by canceling the old reservation and rebooking with the new rate that was lower. On the rental car, I uh, had originally booked a, a mid-size car for, for two days. I think it was $100. $49. Well, I researched, went back and took a look at what rental car prices were uh, just last week for that same period, and I found that I could get a larger car for less. So I saved $65 on the rental car. So between the lower rate on the hotel and the lower rate on the rental car, I ended up saving $140 or so. That's not a lot of money, but Every dollar counts. So that's $140 that um, I put back in my pocket, or I guess $140 that I end up will end up not spending on a hotel and rental car uh, just by booking uh, and rebooking or taking a look and seeing if I could get a better deal. Now, this strategy's worked uh, many times over the past uh, 10 years or so I've been using this. And most cases it works. Every once in a while it doesn't. And um, when it doesn't is when the place or the location or the time of year uh, that we're traveling to is more popular than, uh, than normal. And in this case, going to Austin, Texas the first week of December um, turned out to be not as popular a place um, at the end of November as it was in the middle of October when I originally booked. So the strategy works most of the time. And what it, what it helps is to make sure that, yes, you do get the hotel and the rental car that you're going to need when you're there. So book it early, but book um, reservations that are um, 
cancelable. So in other words, you're able to cancel the reservation without any charges or fees and rebook if something better comes up. So use that when you're searching for hotels and rental cars. Give yourself the flexibility at the front end and then double check uh, the fees and the rates as you get maybe two weeks out or oftentimes within that last seven days is when you will find uh, real differences in price. So take advantage of that whenever you can and chances are you'll find yourself saving a little bit of money with, uh, without getting caught out not having a hotel or uh, transportation at your location. Hope that helps and uh, use it. And I'd be interested in your experiences. So let me know. Uh, you can send me an email at mark at financialclaritypartners.com with, uh, with your success stories and any other travel hacks or anything uh, that you have used yourself that might be of benefit to, uh, to everyone else that listens to the podcast. Please share. Okay, well, that's about it for this episode of the Financial Clarity Podcast. Lucky number 13, episode 13, lucky number 13. Um, if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast and receive each new episode as soon as it's released, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And if you like what you hear and you want to help the show get a wider audience, I'd really appreciate you leaving a positive review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways to help spread the word about the podcast. And if you'd like to work with a financial planner to help you identify your financial behaviors and help you optimize those behaviors and take advantage of those behaviors to allow you to set and reach your own financial goals while enjoying life along the way, I'd be honored to speak with you. Just send me an email at mark at financialclaritypartners.com and uh, we can set up a time to, uh, to talk and see if my services might be a fit for your needs. You can also find us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash financialclaritypartners. Uh, you can also check out at Plan With Clarity on Twitter and we're on Google Plus as well. All right, that's about it. Thanks again for listening and take care.